0: You are Locked On Chargers,
1: your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, also joined by one of the original members of the show, John Kegley, before we get started, we are three riders who have got our started at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. Now, this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Oh, well, it is officially the first day of the offseason season for the NFL, which brings its own excitement, especially for the Chargers. But we had the last football game on Sunday, and the Chargers rival Chiefs could not get the job done and ended up getting smoked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get into that, I just want to welcome everyone into the show, especially if it's your first time. We appreciate you guys checking out the show, and a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners as well. If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from for this daily show. That's always the fastest and easiest way to get it, and make sure you get every day's show. But we have a ton to get into on today's show, because since we last talked, Justin Herbert has won the Associated Press Offensive Rookie of the Year, and we talked about it a lot on Friday when he won the Pepsi Sugar-Free Rookie of the Year Award. We talked a lot about his season and everything, so we'll touch on that at the beginning, but we also have a couple of coaches to talk about with the Chargers because they ended up signing Chandler Whitmore, Clemson's grad assistant who worked with their quarterbacks to be the Chargers quality control coach. So that is something to get into. And they also lost a coach in Joe Barry, who is now going to be the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator. But in the second segment, we're going to take a look at the Super Bowl and talk about, you know, a couple of things that really stood out as far as why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the game and some things that are just very important that the Chargers could definitely learned from as far as trying to get up to those teams levels and trying to compete with the best teams in the league. And then to wrap up the show, we're going to do our initial mock draft Monday 1.0. We have a little round table of different mock drafts that we took some players from. We're going to talk about where the experts are going early as far as who they think the Chargers are going to draft with the 13th overall pick. So let's go ahead and get into it. No surprise at all. Justin Herbert over the weekend ended up winning the AP offensive rookie of the year and he already had taken home the rookie of the year pepsi award and that was no surprise because that was a fan voted award but you know the biggest nfl writers got together and they picked justin herbert to be the best offensive rookie in the nfl and he had a very you know close race i mean going into it with justin jefferson who put up a monstrous season and looked like one of the best wide receivers in the league but at the end of the day, Justin Herbert ends up getting 41 of the 50 votes, David. He ends up winning in a landslide pretty much, and it was obviously well-deserved.
2: No question about it. I mean, all credit to Justin Jefferson, who had a great season for a rookie, who actually had more yards than Randy Moss did in his rookie year, although Randy Moss had 17 touchdowns. So I just want to put that out there as well. But Justin Herbert broke pretty much every rookie QB record. I mean, most passing touchdowns, most total touchdowns, most passing completions, and several other rookie records as well. I mean, Justin Herbert came in with absolutely no warning that he was going to play very little first-team reps because – They went into the season with Tyrod Taylor as the starting QB. So Justin Herbert gets put in in a pinch and then has one of the best rookie seasons that we've ever seen. So to see him win the award, uh, I mean, it's definitely very rewarding as a Charger fan and and an analyst, but I mean, this guy is special. I mean, he made some crazy throws, was able to use his athleticism. I mean, I think it didn't take us long, Daniel, to see that not only does he have all the physical gifts, but the mental gifts as well, and a guy that learns from his mistakes and got better week after week and was able to actually put together some game-winning drives at the end. So a great campaign, historic campaign. It's going to be fun to watch
1: Justin Herbert in the future. I definitely think those you know, comeback wins, three out of the last four games of the season, definitely helped his case, but I didn't think it made his case by any means. I think he was going to always kind of coast to this. I don't think it's a quarterback award. I mean, I think five out of the last ten have been quarterbacks. Historically, it hasn't always Usually been a quarterback. It was mostly a running back award back when the NFL was a much different place. And Justin Herbert is the first offensive rookie of the year by the Associated Press since a running back Don Woods in 1974. He's also the first quarterback to win the award and the fifth overall to win it. And obviously you have guys like Sean Merriman and Joey Bosa who have won it on the defensive side but he deserves all the props that he gets but let's get into the coaching staff for the Chargers now because they lost a coach and gained a coach and I want to start with the Joe Barry the Chargers passing game coordinator on the defensive side and also probably going to be a linebackers coach as we understood it is now headed to the Packers John in a really weird move because this guy got two promotions in one offseason and Many people thought he could be the Rams' defensive coordinator. Now he ends up going to the Packers and being their defensive coordinator, especially when you're installing a new defense. I do think this is a hit for the Chargers who, especially for their linebackers, would have someone who could definitely tell them everything they need to do, the right spots they need to be in, and help their transition from the 4-3 to the 3-4. And I do think it's a big loss because I think, as you're seeing with his move to defensive coordinator, this was a well-respected coach that was highly sought after.
0: Yeah, he was a he was obviously Really highly looked after where well, the Chargers looked at him and gave him a slight promotion so that he could, right. didn't have to have permission, I guess. But in the end, someone else is looking at him right afterward to make them make another promotion. And we, well, you saw what he did with the Rams, he basically helped those linebackers that were basically no-names become yeah, good were not at their good. position. <laughs> <laughs> he made them good at their positions he did. with the help of Staley. So first you got chemistry with the Chargers head coach. You got a guy that was making guys that aren't that great, really good at their position, Whether and they could probably be those type of players that they look really good with the Rams, but then they go to get that big paycheck with someone else and they just don't look good anymore because they don't have that coach. He's probably that kind of coach. And now he's going to be a defensive coordinator with the Packers, so the, he's got a big name behind it too, a lot of NFL experience. You lost a lot right here. So I'm wondering if Staley maybe he already knew that, though, too, because he, he probably has to be that type of guy that has a plan B, right? Sure. Like he's he's got to be someone that already planned ahead because he knows what type of talent these guys have, and he probably got told right away, like, the first phone call that Barry got, he probably told Staley, like, hey, this might happen, so you sure. uh, might want to look for someone else. He's probably already got someone like in his head or on like, a list of people he's already getting ready to hire in the next few days. But hey, good so. good
2: coaches get poached, right? I mean, this is, this is a good thing. I don't think we've seen much of this in the past where you've seen, you know, assistants and things from the Chargers coaching staff get taken and put on other staffs and get promotions like this. So, I mean, it's a good, good thing. I think it looks good on Brandon Staley bringing in coaches. I mean, it kind of sucks to lose a coach that quickly, but you're bringing in quality guys, people that not only you covet, but people around the league covet as well.
1: The other coaching move that the Chargers made over the weekend was bringing in Clemson grad assistant Chandler Whitmer, who is joining the Chargers as an offensive quality control coach, who will be focusing on working with the quarterbacks. And he was also an offensive assistant with Clemson, working with their quarterbacks, working with Trevor Lawrence this past year. Before that, he was with Ohio State and he did some work with their offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. And before that, he was with Yale as a quality control coach for their offense. And this is another guy, John, who has just skyrocketed through the coaching ranks at the college level. I mean, he ended up playing quarterback for UConn for a few years. And then after that, kind of bounced around before getting his coaching start with Yale. And after, you know, not making the Philadelphia Eagles in 2015 when he tried out for them during their preseason. But went from Ohio, first of all, went from Yale, then to Ohio State, then to Clemson. And now he's going to be working with Justin Herbert and the Chargers quarterback room while you know Brandon Staley brings in another guy who's a former quarterback.
0: It is also uh, – maybe I'm reading into this a little bit bad, but uh, he was with Ohio State in 2019 who lost to Clemson. And the next year he switches schools and is on the losing team again. <laughs> I don't know. Are we looking at a, another land block, a curse with the coaching staff? I don't know, but – this guy obviously shows that he's willing to work hard and move up the race. I mean, if you go from Yale to Ohio State, you obviously did something right here. That's, Ohio State doesn't really just give a coaching staff position to right. anybody. Here's a free to job. Anybody. No. <clears throat> yeah. There's not someone that just looks at the newspaper and, be, and is like, you know what? I feel sorry for this guy. Let's give him a chance. Like They do their homework, and if you go from Yale to Ohio State, there's got to be something that you're doing right. And then you go from Ohio State to Clemson – who's won a few championships the past few years and has been in the championship a lot the past few years, you're obviously doing something right. So this is probably looking like a really good hire. But the fact that it's another former QB, I'm really starting to wonder what Staley's got in mind here with all these QBs that he's adding.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing about Whitmer is just the fact that he was an okay quarterback, didn't make it in the NFL, and now has been a really hot commodity After being a marketing coordinator for a little while, after his collegiate playing career, he was also a model for two years, so he had that going for him, decided he wanted to get back into coaching, so that's what I ended up finding on his LinkedIn page, so if you guys check that out, that was an interesting place to go, but former model Chandler Whitmer now joins the Chargers, and it's just crazy for me, specifically just because, who was it before? It was Seth Ryan, who was the quality control coach for the Chargers offense, who worked with... The receivers, but was the kid of Rex Ryan, who was obviously very good friends with Anthony Lynn. So the connection made sense there. Now they're just bringing in this hotshot guy who, you know, if he keeps ascending as meteorically as he has so far, is going to be an offensive coordinator in a few years at this point. But Bran Staley definitely has a plan. He's going to have a lot of former quarterbacks in there trying to catch Justin Herbert. Is it too many quarterbacks in there? I mean, maybe, but. They all kind of know how each other thinks because pretty much every one of those guys at one point or another has been a quarterback. But we are going to be getting into the big game. Super Bowl 55 is in the books and the Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're going to talk about a couple of the things we thought were important from that game. And also what the Chargers have to do if they want to be able to compete with those teams coming up right after this. But first I need to tell you guys that I hope you guys cashed in over the weekend with the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast, Online. A-G. I know I had my money on so many ridiculous prop bets. I don't know if I was ever going to make any money because I spread my monies at them. But David won big on the Buccaneers. I mean, you can win money with betonline.ag. I know I, I was live betting during the Super Bowl trying to get my money back. It didn't work out. You know, I was going for the Chiefs, at least as far as where I was putting my money. But. The Buccaneers handle them, and you guys can go to the only place that I bet with, the only place that we trust, the only place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag because guess what? Sports are still going on right now. I mean, we have the NBA going on. We also have college basketball. There's so much that you guys can bet with at betonline.ag, and they'll even give you some free money because if you guys sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for your 50% welcome bonus with betonline.ag. All right, guys, well, the Super Bowl is in the books, and the Chargers no longer reside with the Super Bowl champs inside of their division in the AFC West. Thankfully, I mean. No one wants to have that in their division. And I think one of the things that we saw in this game, John, was just the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are vulnerable. I mean, they, can't be, they can not be beat in a one-game sample. It's not just a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the AFC West every year. I mean, they have flaws on their team, and they're obviously going to have some salary cap issues and stuff like that as well. But what was your biggest takeaway from Super Bowl Sunday with the Buccaneers absolutely stomping down the Chiefs?
0: I'd say it has to be... The effects of having aggressive, offensive, aggressive defensive line really. Gus the Buccaneers basically ran kind of what Gus Bradley ran, but the Buccaneers had a defensive line to back it up. (laughs) And whenever Mahomes tried to adjust something and they tried doing something different, the Buccaneers adjusted to it, and the defensive line still came through. You could even tell there was some plays where. The Chiefs draw up a good play. The guys are getting open. But by the time the guy gets to that spot where they're open, so Mahomes is going down. That's because that four-man rush was doing everything. The Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett, Nadama Dama Kassou, Vita Vea, like, those guys were eating him alive with just those four. That's all it took. Gus Bradley didn't do that with because he didn't have that defensive line and he never wanted to ever adjust. It's, it's amazing. What we have was what was good enough to, to beat Patrick Mahomes, but you never had the defensive line for it. What the Buccaneers had was the same thing with the defensive line, and you see the success. I think that's my biggest takeaway.
1: Yeah, and I would also say that, I mean, what goes on the opposite side of that is the offensive line for the Chiefs. The Chiefs came in super banged up on the offensive line. They lost so many players this season and even during the postseason that weren't able to strap up for them in their biggest game of the season, and you saw it absolutely melt down their offense. There's obviously a few plays here and there where, you know, maybe they make the play. Maybe they convert a fourth down. Maybe they keep the offense on the field and put up some points, and maybe that changes things a little bit. But we've seen the Kansas City Chiefs' offense slow down. They got absolutely muzzled in this game. They had to settle for field goals. They just, I mean, couldn't put up any points to save their lives, seemingly. They could never get back into the game. And I do think a big part of that, maybe something we underestimated going into it, was how much that was going to play a factor. Because nobody had the Bucs blowing out the Chiefs, David. Even if you thought the Bucs were winning, we didn't necessarily think the Kansas City offense would look like that. And I think not only you know was the Chiefs banged up offensive line a big part of it, but also that they were going up against... An offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he played really well. And that's my biggest takeaway right there is that Tom Brady had a lot of
2: time in this. I mean, he was able to, to to look around, go through his progressions, and make some good throws because that offensive line in front of him gave him the time to do that. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, to John's credit, a guy who he was banging the table for, looked phenomenal in this game and really looked strong all year round, uh, especially, you know, with the rest of that offensive line, Ryan Jensen in the middle, getting nasty and, and getting personal fouls and pissing people off. But I mean, that's mine is just the the offensive line was not only in the past game, but in the running game, too, when they needed to salt the game away. I mean, they got some great blocks and they were able to salt that game away with uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. They were, you know, getting big chunks, six, seven, eight yards a touch. And, I mean, when you need to have it in those situations where you just want to burn the time away to get get down to triple zeros, they were able to do that because they had time to throw the ball and they had, to, they had the aggressiveness and the physicality to open up the holes in the run game to get that clock out of the way.
0: And you got to make sure you have your own team referees as well. <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot
1: of people talking about the officiating. I definitely thought there were some ticky-tack calls in the game but I mean at the same time that game didn't really look like it was ever going to be close and I think when you look at these teams and what got them there I think you look at the Chiefs and you say hey you know just having a good offense is not going to be able to do it alone every year right you have to have a good defense their defense got exposed in this game by Tom Brady and a good offensive line and the offensive line is so important and maybe you know as the Chiefs keep going into this Patrick Mahomes contract, which is going to balloon at some point, maybe it's harder to keep the offensive line in front of him. You better keep hitting and sustaining with those draft picks. But John, I think that when you look at those two teams and you're looking at the chargers who want to compete at that level consistently, I do think that obviously the trenches, the defensive line, the offensive line are the two places they have the most room for improvement to try to bridge that gap with some of the best teams in the NFL. And just thinking about it game wise, I mean, At the end of the game, usually how you get another team off the field is you get pressure, you cause a bad throw, you get a sack that really sets them behind the sticks. And then offensively, the one thing that usually melts down your offense late in the game or when you really need points. is instant pressure causing those bad decisions and all those things. So, I mean, I feel like those are the two things. The Chargers, if you can really upgrade those two positions, it's going to do wonders for you as far as competing with these teams who you've already been close with, but being able to finish off those games as well, something that both of these teams did well all year long and something the Chargers really struggled at.
0: Well, it would also be game planning as well because you notice – like in the first two quarters, the Chiefs tried to bring some pressure. Chris Jones got in there a couple of times, but what did Tom Brady do? He just made a a couple of quick reads, and the way the game, some of these routes and stuff were going, you were taking one player out of the play to go cover one route, and in doing so, you opened up another route. You were just hitting these check down routes the whole time. I mean, Brady didn't really take that many deep shots in the game. He just kept dinking and dunking it all around, hitting the hook routes, the comeback routes, the out routes, the... Dump off to the running backs. He just kept hitting them wherever they were. He, he game-planned that, whereas the Chiefs were trying to do what they do all year, which was take the deep shot, and they never really adjusted to that. It was still the same thing. Try to give it to Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and every now and then try to dump it to one of your speedy guys. That's not a star player that's left open, and they never really were able to adjust to that. The Buccaneers adjusted that whole game. So i got to say game planning has to go with that too because if you're, say, the Chiefs and your offensive line goes down, which is something the Chargers have had, you should be able to get the ball out quick somehow, some way, to make your offensive line look better than they are. The Chiefs never did that, so Mahomes was under pressure the whole game. Brady having a great offensive line, which the, the, the Chargers would be Super Bowl chance probably with a great offensive line, was still getting the ball out quick regardless, and it made the offensive line not have to take much pressure. It made less chance for injuries as well, so now you have a whole Super Bowl with that offensive line. Game planning has to be something the Chargers have a lot of room to improve with as well with this new coaching staff. Yeah, yeah you gotta
1: give I some think, credit to Byron Leftwich too. I mean, he called a hell of a game. Yeah, and he was somebody that seemed like he was gonna be a hot offensive coordinator, you know, in this head coaching cycle, and nothing really ever materialized from that. And the and when you have that many offensive weapons, it's one of those things too where it's like, okay, your offense is loaded with Antonio Brown and all those guys, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Cameron Brate and Rob Gronkowski. But I did like what somebody said on Twitter. I forget who said it, so I apologize, but. Basically, the Buccaneers, you know, didn't really need help, but wide receiver brought in Antonio Brown, and I'm not talking about the off-the-field stuff, but they're trying to get better at positions they're already good at, you know? They had Ronald Jones, they bring in Leonard Fournette, they have Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard, they bring in Rob Gronkowski, and that depth paid big dividends, so I do think there's a lesson there, but I do think for the Chargers... In the trenches is where the biggest gap is from them to these other teams. I do think it helps you be able to game and it helps you be able to close out games. I think a lot of those issues start up front for them, so I think those are obviously the areas they have to upgrade the most to try to keep up. And the other thing is, is Kansas City tried to do a lot of short stuff in this game, those linebackers for the Buccaneers, Levante David and Devin White, were everywhere, not missing tackles, making, you know, a two yard gain, something that was regular just because they were always all over the short quick. They were phenomenal in this game. Yeah, Their coverage was ridiculous on Travis Kelsey at times. I mean, both of those guys made such a big difference in this game, but we do have one more segment to get into because it is a mock draft Monday. So we're going to be taking a look at all the different mock drafts we've been seeing and where they project. And who they predict could be the Chargers' first overall pick at 13 in the 2021 NFL draft. So we're gonna get into all of those guys coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys the best protein bar in the world is a Built Bar. I just got my new box from Built Bar. I'm very excited about it. And for me, taste is everything. And when you're getting a Built Bar, you know you're getting something that tastes great. It is also good for you, and you're going to get some variety, so you're not going to get super tired of one flavor because they have 18 amazing flavors to choose from. You can go lemon almond cheesecake if you want. You could switch it up, go German chocolate or peanut butter or banana bread, and they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Bill bar is great for the health-conscious guy if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. All these bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and they all taste awesome, which for me is most important. And right now, if you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can, you can use the promo code lockdown to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code On, all caps, one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys. Well, it's an exciting time because we get to start getting into the draft. And what I will say is, yes, I have watched some guys in the draft. Obviously, I was just at the Senior Bowl. There's some guys I've scouted for sure. I still have a lot more to do, and so do all of us, so we're not going to get super in-depth with the guys we talk about today, but the one thing I wanted to do is just get the pulse on who people think the Chargers are going to take at this point. So The Draft Network has a bunch of new drafts coming out, and the latest one with Joe Marino, who's also a Locked On host. He came out with, and the guy he had the Chargers picking at 13th overall was Virginia Tech tackle Christian Darisaw. And he's not the only one. I mean, Lance Zerline for his NFL.com article had the same pick. Jordan Reed, who's also from the Draft Network, also had the same pick. The Chargers in this, David, end up getting Darisaw, who, a big, physically imposing left tackle who likes to run people over, had a really good season in 2020, and that is, if there was a consensus, that would be the closest to it. You look at Christian Darius out
2: of Virginia Tech, and you really like the size. I mean, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds. Also started as a freshman, and you know, th- uh, according to Pro Football Network, he improved every single year. He's the guy that checks all the boxes. He's going to be a great asset. He's very good in pass protection. He's good with the outside runs. He uses a great ability to pull and connect. He's really good in space. He's able to pick up targets, and so you can move him around. You can get creative uh, with his ability as an offensive lineman. But I just love the the nugget of getting better every single year. The Chargers would love this pick. They bring Christian Derrissaw in. And no matter what happens in free agency, the Chargers should address offensive line in the draft as well. If they do that with Christian Derrissaw, I think that's definitely a great pick as of right now.
1: And we'll look more into it. Maybe we see some more tape that we don't like. Right now, I've watched four or five games on Darisaw specifically, and I like what I see. I mean, that's not to say that there's no lapses. But as David just mentioned, that, you know, this time when the draft's coming up later on, I mean, we might not think they need an offensive tackle at that point, depending on what they do if they trade for Orlando Brown Jr., if they end up signing a big-name left tackle in free agency, which there's really not a lot out there, so that's probably not going to happen. But that's just to say that we don't know what the biggest needs are When the draft ends up coming up, we'll have a better idea of those. But I do like the fact that you'd be getting someone that brings a physicality that you really haven't had in a while. He brings that mean streak. He's not afraid to put people into the ground. He's sneaky athletic. He has very long strides. So when he's out in space, I mean, he covers a lot of ground. It doesn't necessarily look like he's moving very fast, I realize, but he usually gets his spot. He gets a hand on somebody. He moves people out of the way. He's a nice I mean pick. I mean, I think as far as, you know, the charges and what they had on the offensive line right now, I mean, not a lot of them are holding on to their assignments as long as Christian Derisaw has been, especially in twenty twenty. So if they're looking for a big physical Mauler type, you know, that's actually come a long way in the passing game. And I didn't see him look surprised very often in pass protection. Didn't see him get knocked back very often in pass protection as well. So there are some spots to, you know, kind of clean up there, some footwork to clean up, but I think they could do a lot worse, and at least they'd be investing in the offensive line. And there's certain guys where if they fell to the Chargers, they would kind of be an automatic pick. And really, the three guys we're going to talk about today are Christian Darius, also Elijah Vera Tucker, and Ray Slater. But the Slater hype train has kind of gone through the roof. But I think we'd be happy with the Chargers investing in the offensive line with this pick. But John, if it is someone like Slater, if he does slide to the Chargers at thirteen, are you happy that they would just run up to the podium at that point and they're still trying to address the offensive line with a guy who probably doesn't seem like he's going to follow them?
0: I think you do hurry up and all right. I'm going to I'm going to use a David quote here. I think you skip to the podium and make that pick. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. He is he's shown a lot. He's gone up against some really good guys like the. He went up against Nick Bosa, for example, and he held his own very well against him, did pretty good against Chase Young. I loved what I saw from him. This guy isn't going up against a bunch of scrubs and getting a good grade. He actually faced a lot of challenges and held his own, and I think he's probably the most NFL-ready tackle that's in here, but I think guys like Sewell that everyone's talking about probably has the bigger upside. As far as being NFL-ready, I think Slater is your guy that can come in and be the starter Day one, is he, is he going to improve much over the next few years? Probably not, but at least he's NFL ready and is ready to make that chemistry mold with the rest of the offensive line. Drafting young offensive linemen so that they can all stick together for a while creates a chemistry, and that chemistry is what you're really looking for. If you think of back to like 2006 when the Chargers had Marcus McNeil, Mike Goff, Nick Hardwick, Shane Olivier, those guys weren't always... All the greatest in the NFL, but they molded together so well. Like, even Shane Lively looked better than he really is. Sure. And that's because they had they had a chemistry, and that's all you need in this is someone that's NFL-ready that can be there for a little while that's full of chemistry, and Slater could be that guy.
1: Well, I think – I mean, I do think Rayshon Slater could get better, and I think he could, at the end of the day, end up being – the best guy in this class just because he does have a pretty high floor and depending on where he ends up whether it's at tackle or at guard which he also brings that versatility you know you could see him potentially move up to the top guys at that position in the league and I love what I saw from Slater I love the fact that you've seen him go up against guys that are now playing on Sundays and playing ridiculously well in the case of Chase Young and Nick Bose, and there's a lot of other guys he got to go up against as well, but I think that would be a no-brainer pick if he fell there. Sewell obviously is not going to be there, but he would be a no-brainer reuniting him with Justin Herbert. But the second one I've seen the most, David, is Elijah Vera Tucker, who is a you know former guard and now tackle for USC. Played great in the 2020 season. Before that, he would moved all around that offensive line. Has pretty much been solid everywhere he's gone. And the other part of it is the Chargers have a big affinity for UCLA. USC guys so I think it would make a lot of sense and the Chargers would get an offensive versatile offensive lineman that has played pretty much great wherever he's been yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, I wouldn't pay too close attention to where he, whether he's a guard or a tackle at this point because the Chargers could really use an upgrade at almost every position on the offensive line. But you look at Elijah Vera Tucker and, you know, the scouting report on him is he's got good balance, he's got good body control in pass sets. He handles the bu- the bull rush very well and he puts his body in in good position in pass blocking and run blocking. Uh, according to them, you know, <clears throat> according to Pro Football Network, he's ideal as a left guard in the NFL. But he does bring that versatility. I mean, in case of injury, if you have him at left guard or, and your tackle gets hurt, you can throw him out there and you don't have to feel too bad about, you know, a guy not having some experience because he did go out there and play left tackle fairly well this year in 2020. So Elijah Vera Tucker, another guy who brings some versatility and some depth across that offensive line
1: and an instant improvement. I mean, all the guys that we've talked about would be improvements over the guys that were there last year for the Chargers. I mean, if you wanted to bring Sam Tebby back as you, you know, kind of felt out how you felt about Elijah vertecker on the inside or the outside, I would understand it. I mean, if you can get a, you know, top 10 guard at that position with the 13th pick, I think you do it. I think this would be one of the more solid picks the Chargers could make there cuz I do think it's another guy who has a very high floor. I do think he will be starter level at the NFL at some point. I mean, I think it could be very early on in his career with how polished that he's looked. He's a technician. I mean, all the things I saw from him, his footwork looked great. He always seemed to be in the right spot. He's not the kind of mauler like some of the other guys we've talked about, but as far as just overall talent, a guy that, you know, Tom Tueskel, I'm sure, has seen a lot of, I think the charge could do a lot worse with Elijah Vera Tucker, but it's going to be interesting to see how these mock drafts change throughout this process because we have a long time till the draft We're going to see a lot of different guys mock to the Chargers at 13, and pretty soon we'll be getting into who we think the Chargers should take with that pick as we get a little bit closer, as we watch a little bit more tape, but we just wanted to take a look at where the Chargers mocks have them going right now, so it's very interesting, and this is one of the funnest times of the year when we get to talk about this stuff, but that is going to do it for today's show. This week we'll also be getting into some Super Bowl team free agents that could make sense for the chargers as well as a bunch of the other latest chargers news and everything chargers related so until then guys make sure to follow us on twitter at LockedOnLAC. lac make sure to like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as giving us a follow on our new instagram page i would really appreciate it i've been working hard on that if you guys want to give that a follow we post the shows in there as well If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, and that's definitely the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get your voicemails in now that the season is over, the number is 323-524-7924. Whether you have draft or free agency stuff, you want to talk about or questions, hit us up there. But that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. But until then, take it easy and go bolts.